0: Welcome to episode two of the Podium Runner Endurance podcast. I'm your host, Ian Sharman. I'm a coach at Sharman Ultra and a professional ultra runner. This episode, we're talking about the gut microbiome with a colleague and a good friend of mine, Dr. Matt Lay, who I've trained with and known for a number of years. Matt is the assistant professor and chair at the Health and Human Performance Department of the College of Idaho. Plus we have Dr. Greg Grisicki, who's an Assistant Professor of Kinesiology and Director of the Exercise Physiology Laboratory at Georgia Southern University. Both are avid runners, and Matt was the USATF trail champion at 100 miles a few years ago, too. This show show will delve into what the gut microbiome is, uh, being made up of the trillions of microorganisms and their genetic material that live in your intestinal tract, These microorganisms, mainly comprising bacteria, are involved in functions critical to your health and well-being, which is especially important for training and racing well. We talk about what effects it has on the body, uh, differences between elites and amateur athletes, and what aspects of lifestyle can affect it, and therefore what practical steps can you take to hopefully improve your running. Sadly, drinking beer doesn't lead to improvements, despite fermented foods typically being helpful. Let's get into it. Hi, Matt and Greg, thank you very much for joining us today on the show. And uh, I'll just ask you guys to introduce yourselves. So first of all, Greg.
1: Thanks for uh, having me in, delighted to be here. Um, And Matt, thank you for the invite as well. So my name is Greg Grosicki. Uh, I'm an assistant professor of kinesiology and director of the Exercise Physiology Laboratory at Georgia Southern University on the Armstrong campus, which is located in Savannah, Georgia. I ran cross-country all through high school and then cross-country and track one year in college. Uh, wasn't able to do the mileage that I would have liked to be able to do. So now I compete more as a triathlete, so I can still train uh, as much as I'd like and, and keep my running fresh and use my running to my, uh, to my ability there. And uh, yeah, I live in Savannah with my, my young daughter, who's nine months, and, and my wife, Brianna. And Matt?
2: All right, and I am an assistant professor in the Department of Health and Human Performance at the College of Idaho. I live in Boise, Idaho. Um, I ran all through uh, high school, college, post for a while. Uh, I've been sidelined with a knee injury for a couple of years now, and have been doing more biking to get my sort of endurance exercise fix. And of course, I'm also a coach with the Charmin Ultra Group and uh yeah i'm at home with my 8 month old daughter um where we live so greg and i have a similar backgrounds
0: and and the reason that i chose this subject to be a really useful one for runners Um, is because of you, Matt, because uh, we've known each other for quite a while. And uh, I think one of the first times I heard about gut microbiome was when you were doing a study at Western States 100 Mile or a couple of years ago. So why don't we start off just with what the gut microbiome is? Um, Do you want to start off, Matt, and then add in anything else, Greg? Yeah, sure. I can take a stab. Um,
2: So the microbiome in, in general is actually all of the genetic material that is from sort of non-us tissues, and that includes uh, bacteria, viruses, archaea, different forms of single-celled organisms. And the, the microbiome lives in a bunch of different places on the body. So we have an oral microbiome, we have microbiomes associated with different parts of our skin, and then the most prominent and well-studied one is the microbiome within the intestinal tract tract. So within the small intestine, large intestine, mainly the large intestine is where most of the microbes live. And as I like to tell my students, when we think about the intestinal tract, I ask them, is that inside or outside of our body? And it's actually outside of our body. It's just one log tube that goes through the middle of our body, but doesn't actually connect with, our, uh, with the rest of our tissues. And so it's the interaction of those microbes in that tube with the sort of tissues surrounding it. So our intestinal wall um, that really makes up the interaction that's important for both health exercise performance um, and a bunch of different things that have been highly researched in the last five, 10 years. I leave anything out, Greg.
1: No, I think uh, you did a fantastic job there. Um, I guess the only things I would say is that uh, on top of that, the composition of the the gut microbiome does seem to be relatively stable, about 60% of it appears to be preserved over a five year period. But the remaining, that remaining 40 or 50% does seem to be highly dynamic and influenced by a variety of factors, both internal and external, as you alluded to. And that uh, for those who wanna read more about it, I would highly recommend they check out uh, the NIH Human Microbiome Project uh, the first one was launched in 2007 and went from 2008 to 2016. And this was really just kind of shows the novelty or the newness of this uh, area of study. And really, they just wanted to, as you said, characterize what are the different bacteria living in the various bo- regions of the body. And then only recently, because of the promising findings from this initial round of the Human Microbiome Project, Another uh, 10-year funding initiative was put forth by uh, the National Institute of Health to get a little better of an understanding as to how some of these microbes contribute to some more specific diseases, things like inflammatory bowel disease, diabetes, and and pregnancy and preterm birth uh, are at the very top of that list.
0: And so at a high level, I, the, the main question I think most people will be thinking about is that, what does this matter? You know, what, what, why do we, we care about it? So what does this affect as a runner? And just in general, you mentioned there are some diseases that can be directly affected. But uh, Greg, what, as a, directly, purely for, for running performance and, and related to that side of things, is this a really important element?
1: I would say certainly. And I think the key evidence from that is really the mirror out of studies linking the microbiome to so many of the physiological systems in our body, um, my first area of inquiry in the microbiome really had to do with how the microbiome influences the regulation of skeletal muscle mass with age, but similarly, the microbiome can influence muscle mass in athletes and, and thus is going to be absolutely critical for performance, um, you know particularly athletes wanting to to, to do well. Um, also, metabolism would be another one. And, and then even some more things that are far more distal to what we may think may be influenced by the microbiome, such as uh, our, our psychological state. Um, there's, there's this whole s- series of communication between the microbiome and the brain. Um, and, and so that, you know, is obviously going to be super important for those interested in something like the ultramarathon.
0: Yeah, that's certainly covering a lot of different things, but the the brain and the body basically are dramatically affected. But at the moment, is it fair to say that we're just starting to learn about this because the research has only been occurring in in the last few years, really?
1: I I would certainly agree with that. I'd say if there's one thing I've learned in, in three years now that I've been studying the microbiome, it's that I know every day I feel like I know just less <laughs> about about how powerful and influential the microbiome is over health and human performance. And
0: are there any commonalities between what has been seen in elite athletes for their gut microbiome versus, say, a more casual runner versus someone who's sedentary? Um, Matt, to start with?
2: Yeah, I was just reading a study this morning, and it did seem like elite athletes tended to have more microbiome or microbiota diversity. And diversity is one of the key sort of hallmarks of good health related to the microbiome. So you want to have more species of bacteria. Um, and really, it seems to be more related to the genetic material of that bacteria so that the, those bacteria make a bunch of different genes. Those genes make a bunch of different proteins Those proteins can influence a bunch of different metabolites. And the more diverse of a system you have, the healthier you tend to be. And the uh, more elite athletes tend to have a more diverse microbiome. Um, Along with that sort of same idea is that the more vigorous exercise that you uh, undertake, the more likely um, you are to have a more diverse microbiome. So there was a study that looked at, uh, it was a fairly long study that did um, sort of leisure activities, so activity around the house, moderate intensity exercise and vigorous intensity exercise. And vigorous intensity exercise seemed to have the largest effect on the microbiome diversity. And so maybe doing more intense training that more elite athletes would do would be associated with that diversity of microbiome.
0: Could could this be something where – there's a, a genetic element that the people who get to the elite level maybe are able to get a better, uh, let's say, for a running perspective, gut microbiome. Uh, do we know if there's? Is it a kind of chicken and egg thing that they they have a better uh, gut microbiome for running, partly because they train so hard, but could it also be something that's allowed them to train so hard and get so go- get so good, or do we not know? Well, there is some evidence
2: um, that well. Well, first off, the microbiome is about 50% or 60% genetic, as as Greg was talking about. It's stability over time. Much of the microbiome is stable over time. And so that's clearly a genetic influence that um, you may have gotten from early environmental exposures, but something that's going to be more stable. Um, There does seem to be other evidence that some of the adaptations associated with exercise And so these aren't necessarily performance adaptations yet that have been studied, but I imagine that these are, if not ongoing, that they're going to be ongoing pretty soon. Uh, So there's a one particular study where they looked at the effects of exercise on glycemic control. So on how you can prevent, say, someone who's pre-diabetic going to diabetic, uh, and perhaps they can go back to a healthy state um, of glucose control and regulation. And what they found is that the microbiome accounted for a large variation in the number of people that responded positively to the exercise training compared to those who responded, did not respond at all, or even responded negatively. So some people have really positive, get really positive health benefits from exercise. And actually some people show either just slight benefits or no benefit at all. And so they were showing that the microbiome itself is responsible for part of that um, response and that they could then figure out, based on somebody's microbiome, whether or not they would be a responder with regards to glycemic control uh, if they trained or if they did not train. This is a really, really fascinating study. And I think that you're going to find that other physiological traits like endurance capacity, so the mitochondria, density in the muscle, muscle mass, those things are also going to be related to the just inherent microbiome that somebody has.
0: That's fascinating. So would that mean that there's potentially a benefit from being able to either get some kind of medications based on elite athletes microbiomes, or I've heard the kind of ickier side of it, of the idea of, you know, you get an elite athlete's poop and somehow put that into a non-elite athlete or someone to avoid them from getting diabetic. Uh, is that a feasible concept i suppose is the right way of putting it it sounds disgusting the idea but however that may work is that something that could have potentially a dramatic effect on things like obesity as well as performance uh greg
1: yeah that's actually a really good question um and there's actually a you know taking that uh that idea there's a there's a startup out of the weiss institute at harvard uh called fit biomics i believe david sinclair is on is 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 on their their team and and he's doing exactly that uh trying to look at what are the signatures or the hallmark characteristics of the microbiome from these elite athletes and then can we basically use uh this knowledge to formulate a elite microbial cocktail to either improve performance or possibly to improve health and wellness and and help with disease um kind of dovetailing off what Matt said, even with that study in in cell metabolism where they showed that uh, the microbiome predicted um, the glycemic response to exercise training and and improvements in insulin sensitivity. Uh, This this next series of the, the human microbiome project that I referred to earlier actually showed that they can look at people's microbiome and predict their insulin sensitivity as well without exercise training. It. And so I do think there certainly is um, a future behind trying to f- characterize what are the, the desirable microbial traits and then finding a way to, to use those to improve health and, and as well as performance for, for athletes. I, I certainly see the field moving in that direction.
0: And so, could that even be something like a fat pill? Basically, you know, the kind of the holy grail of, of medicine—a way that you could give something to someone and, and stop them getting fat, or make it harder for them to get fat.
1: Uh, it's hard hard either to either. say <laughs> for sure. Hard to say for sure. Um, but but speculatively, uh, the microbiome is certainly uh, has a has a big role in metabolism, and and thus metabolic health might actually be able to be modulated by by improving the microbiome. Um, you know, it's kind of funny you said that. There are initial studies in the microbiome um, dating back, and this is the early 2000s, but one of the ones that, that is most cited or discussed in the context of the scientific literature is one that was done by Rodura and colleagues, and this is in 2013, where they actually found twins Um, One of the twins was obese and one was lean. So some of the microbiome was probably similar, but they did see some key microbiome differences between those twins. They took uh, their microbiome and transplanted it into mice and that they actually showed that the mice took on the basically body composition of the twin they, they received the microbiome from. So that is that the mice who received the microbiome of the lean twin stayed lean, and and the, and the mice who received the microbiome from the obese twin became obese. Um, kind of wild, but but it certainly does suggest that that indeed, yet, yeah, yeah, that that may be possible.
0: And so related to that, go oh, sorry, just just to follow on, and Matt, you can add your stuff in, but. Would that mean that the the differences between the twins, obviously genetically, they'd be almost, or they'd be the same, but it would be, would it be diet or what would be the factors that would have differed between those two twins that would have led to their microbiome and their entire body being different?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And and right, it would certainly suggest that uh, it's lifestyle factors that are influencing their microbiomes. And there are just so many, but diet uh, generally is is most thought to probably play the largest role as as an extrinsic factor. But I think I really do think physical activity and exercise might play just as much of a role or even greater. Again, that's speculative and I don't have any data for that. Um, But I I really do think that we're really just coming to realize what large of a role exercise plays. But even things like um, taking different medicines, antibiotic use is one that I'd like to get into later. But I would certainly caution from a practical standpoint, you know, the the polypharmacy, particularly overuse of antibiotics, has a huge role on the microbiome. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, it's really the lifestyle factors between those twins. Um, that, that was the, the big role there, play the biggest role.
0: Okay, we'll talk about diet a little bit more in a second. But Matt, sorry, i cut you off there. Yeah, so there's actually a couple
2: of studies that get to, I think, the exact point you were making, Ian, with regards to can you take this sort of microbiome pill that might increase performance. And there was one study where they took the microbiome of an Olympic weightlifting athlete, and they isolated just one of the, the species that was present in there and gave as a probiotic uh, to a group of mice who are exercising. And so often these studies are done taking a human microbiome and transplanting into mice just because of the safety issues of potentially transplanting into another human. But with this study, they actually found that the mice were able to better recover from exercise um, and also increase performance. Uh, the weightlifting, and a weightlifting one, they found that the mice were actually stronger and had better grip strength. Maybe they were rats. I can't quite remember. Um, and then with regards to that, that great study that was in Nature Medicine, where they looked at... Um, that the fit fit biome company was sort of built off of uh, they isolated one's particular species of bacteria and were able to give that to mice and show a 13 percent improvement in time to exhaustion and it was mostly due to the conversion of lactate uh, into this short chain fatty acid called butyrate um, and so this lactate was coming from the blood that typically builds up during can build up during exercise crossing into the gut, and then the bacteria were converting that lactate into butyrate. And butyrate has its own sort of metabol- metabolism benefits um, that can uh, it can be used for energy. And also, it's uh, really protective of the um, gut sort of integrity. And so that company, Fit Biomics, I actually went onto their website right before this and signed up to be a beta tester for their... Uh, for their probiotics, which I'm sure will include that species of the microbiome, so I'll see if I'll actually get a, a two week supply sent to me, and I can report back on on you know how much stronger I am after after taking taking that. Um, and with Gre- Greg also mentioned how he thinks exercise is as big, if not bigger, of an effect on on the microbiome. And you know the that Nature Medicine study was sort of driven out of the observation that. These Boston Marathon runners, um, they increase specific abundance um, of of certain microbes after the marathon, so that even in a you know three hour period, you can have a change in the microbiome uh, with exercise. So,
0: I, and related to that, I know that um, one a friend, a mutual friend of all of ours, Pat Reagan, who's an ultra runner, um, done some amazing course records in 100 milers in particular and a very fast runner overall, that he was studied by Greg at um, Western States, I think it was last year, looking at his gut, gut microbiome in advance of the race uh, a few weeks for right before uh, and changes afterwards. So you just mentioned how it can change in a short amount of time. So Greg, what did you find from, from that was obviously a study of one person, but a pretty extreme set of results from him? And what what does it really mean? Do we know?
1: Certainly. Yeah. That was a super unique opportunity. I was really lucky to be able to do that and study it at the four different time points. And there was actually another study published just before ours in people who did, uh, it was like a ultra endurance row. And they similarly saw some pretty robust and pronounced changes in the microbiome, specifically that diversity metric that Matt referred to earlier improved. And that seems to be one of the the signatures of of exercise induced microbial flux um but that study with uh with pat yeah so we looked at the microbiome at four time points um many weeks before in february and then uh many months before i guess i should say in february and then just a couple weeks before and then right after western states it was about two hours after that we got the sample and then seven days after and and probably in a two or three month lead up to Western States, we saw very little change in his microbiome, almost a disappointing, um, disappointingly small amount of change. And we're like, well, this study isn't going to show anything. Um, And then immediately after Western States, just the difference, what we saw of his microbiome, two hours after compared to two weeks before was absolutely uh, just, it it absolutely amazed us. Particularly, one of the things that that Matt just talked about in those Boston Marathon runners, there is that specific uh, bacterial genre. Uh, it's called Velanella. and it increased to a to a relative abundance of about two to three percent in these runners after they ran the uh, the Boston Marathon. And and with Pat after he ran Western States, we saw a fourteen thousand percent increase. Basically, it went from almost insurmountable, almost none of it. Um, to, to, it made up 10% of his, of his entire microbiome after the Western states race. So basically it went from non-existent to to 10% of his microbiome was this, this one bacterial genre that, as Matt said, it's the, it's only carbon source is lactate. And, and fortunately that study from Harvard showed quite clearly that lactate does move into the gut. And then uh, it can be converted to to uh, to butyrate, and, and that's going to be extremely beneficial for exercise. Butyrate can be taken up and used by the muscle as an alternative fuel source. Um, and so, it really does beg the question. You know, Pat is obviously a fantastic ultra runner. Um, this ten percent increase in this in this valinella is that occurring in all of these all these ultra runners as they do Western states? um or is that why he was able to do so well cuz he was able to produce um so much of this this additional fuel it'd be really fascinating to to be able to study more of that um and then obviously it was just a super extreme stimulus um but but I think that's a great way to to study these kinds of things
0: yeah That's, an, it seems like a huge change to have there so during the race itself basically he was able to within his gut get more fuel from the gut bacteria to a huge degree, to a significant degree, that should have helped him uh, in theory during the race, because there's obviously other things that'll be getting worse. It'll be getting fatigues or muscles and other things. So this could be something that helps potentially towards his elite performance, but it is only a, a sample of one. There, so is is that a fair way to characterize that?
1: No, that that's exactly what happened, and and the the, the study from Fit Biomics at the Weiss Institute did see it in in the Boston Marathoners. And they also saw it in some rowers. So this certainly is something that occurs with exercise, but that magnitude of change is unprecedented in the scientific literature.
0: Could that be related in any way to the fact that he's eating such huge amounts and particularly a lot of sugar, while in, say, the Boston Marathon, it's just two, two and a half hours, they're not eating that much, while in an ultra, uh, it's basically an eating competition. So would that have had some kind of an effect there or – is that unrelated and this is just a positive thing that his body's able to do when exercising?
1: That's a really good question. And unfortunately I can't give you an answer for it. I will say something additional to consider, and maybe Matt could chime in on this a little bit too, because maybe he's thought about it as well is that indeed the the function of that particular bacteria is, is basically to turn, uh, lactate into the short chain fatty acid butyrate, um, and with an ultramarathon, you wouldn't really expect, although it certainly is a long period of time, that much lactate to be built up because you're running at a fairly low intensity. So the fact that you're seeing this kind of response, I think, really does kind of lay the framework for what happens if we do exercise of a higher intensity? Are we going to see even greater elevations of this particular bacteria that may actually be triggered by lactate production?
0: Okay, yeah. th- 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 go on, map, yeah. Yeah, my, I think my
2: interpretation is that just over the extended period of time of an ultra, and even if you're always producing lactate and it's always in the blood, so you're just going to be rising, raising that level up, you know, enough where that particular species of bacteria is seeing lactate at a higher level than normal for an extended period of time. And that's enough to for it to uh, proliferate and expand in the in the gut that's at least that's what i think is most likely going
0: on thank you yeah so it sounds like diet and exercise are as we know key elements of getting fitter and and it sounds like they're also playing in a big way into the gut microbiome so the exercise side of it the idea of doing more training doing harder training that side of it, I think most of the people listening will get as a fairly simple concept. What about the diet? Is it as simple as kind of clean eating, you know, not too many um, uh, junk food type of, of meals? Or is there a difference between keto and vegan and other things? Because in an ultra, for example, you have people on all those different diets who are still able to do that same within marathoning, we see people with a lot of different backgrounds of the way that they eat. Do we know which of those is Let's say better for performance from this perspective, or not?
2: Yeah, better. I think is the difficult part. We know that those different diets will change the microbiome, and we're not quite sure. At least from what I've read, and maybe Greg can knows knows other data that I don't know here. But I haven't been able to see any data that suggests that one particular diet creates a microbiome that is much better than another particular diet, at least when you're comparing things like keto versus Atkins versus um, something else. But it does seem that what will increase the diversity of the microbiome is having fermented foods. So those are things that have actual bacteria in them uh, or fermentable foods, which can help feed the existing bacteria in your gut. And... Uh, as well as sort of whole raw foods, which tend to have more fiber. And fiber was another key factor that helps feed feed the bacteria. And there was one very interesting study that looked at basically how many calories you ate, but kept the macronutrient, so the protein, the carbohydrate, and the fat levels the exact same, but they just changed the number of calories that somebody ate. And by increasing the number of calories they actually did convert the microbiome to have more of a detrimental uh, sort of makeup than, um, than it was before. So there's also just the number of calories that seems to be playing a role, and that's probably linked to calories in and also uh, energy expended.
0: So we, we don't necessarily know which of those diets would be optimal from this point of view, but we know that just eating more is typically worse. Is that true?
2: Yes. And eating more fermentable foods, more raw foods. Um, So things like uh, yogurt, um, kimchi, anything that's been fermented is going to be beneficial as well. Maybe Greg can add to that. We mentioned
0: a minute ago, um, probiotics. I think most people, when they hear that, think of those adverts on TV for, for yogurts. So is that useful for a runner, for example, or are we talking about something a little bit different? Greg, you want to take a stab at at that one?
1: Uh, yeah, th- that's a really good question. Um, I do think Matt pretty much hit the nail on the head with we don't really know what food, what dietary habits, um, are going to produce the most superior microbiome for athletic performance. But we do know that it influences it, and and the fermentable foods and the consumption of dietary fiber certainly appear to yield a, a more favorable microbiome than diet with, that is void of those. Um, as far as probiotics go, there's a lot of animal work, uh, where they're giving them probably levels of, 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 these bacteria that couldn't possibly be replicated in humans. Uh, and of course they show, you know, there are some studies showing that there are improvements in things like grip strength and, and swim time and, and so on and so forth. Uh, I really haven't seen a whole lot of human data showing performance benefits from the consumption of of probiotics or, or really even any type of food group that's supposed to yield a a certain microbial characteristic. Um, there's just really not that much data showing the efficacy of, of, of that just yet. Um, could it be
0: more related then to just maybe reducing things like irritable bowel syndrome or other inflammatory bowel disease issues? So could could that be the the avenue that it could help you be a better runner and sleep better and basically just be healthier overall and be useful from that perspective?
1: Yeah. So I think, I, sir, yeah. I'll, yeah,
2: I'll take I'll take it uh, because this is actually the hypothesis I had with the with the ultra runners is that uh, a favorable microbiome would lead to a favorable sort of gut integrity, which would lead to less sort of inflammation and less. Nausea. So what what can happen during an ultra is, you know, one of the main symptoms that people experience is this nausea, and this nausea has been linked to the amount of bacteria in the blood, and it's a bad bacteria or an LPS uh, positive bacteria that causes this inflammation when it comes into the blood. Your immune system basically sees this bacteria, it says, foreign invader, I'm going to produce an immune response, which includes this sort of cytokine storm that's not unlike what happens with, say, COVID-19, but at a much, much, much lower degree, uh, but still enough where you can feel this nausea. And this, and thinking that maybe a probiotic or a certain microbiome composition might protect against this nausea it was sort of one of the ideas I had with the ultra-runners. And a couple studies suggested this to me. So there was one study in which they did time trials in hot conditions, and hot conditions tend to make this translocation of LPS and this experience of uh, what we call endotoxemia worse. And they did a pre and a post sort of study with one group getting a probiotic. And what they found is that the probiotics did improve this time trial very short time trial. So I think it was somewhere in the 20 minute-ish range. So not necessarily directly applicable to ultra runners, Uh, but they also showed along with that improved time trial, a reduced amount of LPS and so bacteria in the blood. Another study that just came out recently um, looked at four week probiotic study prior to a marathon Uh, There's a group from the UK that's pretty well respected and they showed that uh, there was reduced gi symptoms during the race in the last third of the race not necessarily in training leading up to the race but in the last third of the marathon there was a lower number of gastrointestinal symptoms so things like nausea uh, so i do think there's some evidence like you're saying ian that that it might just be protecting the gut health and there might be an indirect effect on performance uh, more so than a direct effect on performance. Although one last study I did see was on fermented cabbage probiotic coming out of China, which did show an improvement in time trial, did show reduced lactate, improved muscle mass and increased fat loss um, when given over, I think, a 10-week period of time. And they actually had two different doses and showed a dose response effect of that. And so this is all stuff that's really been, at least those last two studies in the last year. Maybe six months that have that have come out. Um, so this the science is changing rapidly, and we're learning a ton more very quickly.
0: So I, I have a multi part question coming out of that. I'll do it bit by bit. So first of all, it sounds like someone who maybe in their marathons or ultra marathons is having a lot of stomach issues. That there's some potential here for probiotics and fermented foods in their normal diet to maybe help with that. Um, first of all, does that That makes sense as a concept, but there's more research needs to be done, Um, Matt or Greg either?
2: I would say there's probably very little downside, and that's what we want to look at first, is to make sure we're not doing any harm to somebody. And so little downside and potential upside uh, is is my
0: sort of opinion of that.
1: Greg, would you agree with that? Yeah. But
0: but obviously more research needed?
1: Definitely. But I've kind of seen it uh, alluded to actually a paper from a a group that... uh, University of Illinois alluded to it as a bit of a hormetic response that indeed exercise, you know, there's a reason we get gastrointestinal symptoms and stuff when, when we do particularly prolonged endurance events, and that's due to partly at least uh, low blood flow to the gut and actually somewhat of a breakdown of this gut barrier, but almost just like we have with our, uh, our muscle, right? You break it down and you get sore after a workout the gut barrier adapts and actually becomes more robust through this uh, continued training. And that might have to help to build up the gut barrier in these athletes.
0: Okay. And and the second part of my question, given we've mentioned the word fermented a few times, is what about alcohol? Um, is this a, an excuse for people to just drink large amounts of alcohol to improve their gut? Because that, uh, I'm guessing, is not the case here. But uh, Matt, do you want to start off on that? Well, I think Greg has, did you have a beer sponsor, Greg? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but I haven't included them in any microbiome studies.
2: Yet. <laughs> You're gonna have to, you know, not participate based on conflict of interest in that con- yeah, in that I'll answer. <laughs> yeah, but,
0: but but in a serious way, is drinking any alcohol, but, you yeah, know, small amounts potentially helpful from that perspective or not?
2: Uh, I don't know of any research. It's really hard for me to say on that on that question. I can. I can see the alcohol being a uh, metabolite for some of the uh, bacteria in the gut, um, but I can also see the alcohol being uh, something that kills a lot of bacteria and microbes. So, I I don't actually I don't I don't really know anything about that particular substance in this
0: regard. So, so so the the advice that, to come away from the podcast is probably heavy drinking will not be helping in this perspective. Well, we don't
2: want help and, in general, so.
0: Yes. But <laughs> well, I think people would look for the silver lining if it can help. And in one way, that'll be a good excuse. So probably not, though. Um, and then that leads to the other uh, part of my question, which is we've talked about we don't know necessarily what the best things to do are for improving this for, from diet. But what about bad things? So eating too much. What about junk food? What about heavily processed foods? Do we know that these tend to be worse or not? Pure, purely from the gut microbiome perspective. We know they're worse in other ways.
1: Certainly, uh, like high fat diet, really high, a diet, very high in fat or a diet, super high and simple and refined carbohydrates has been shown to induce basically a, what they call dysbiosis or a dishealthy gut microbiome. Um, and and so certainly avoiding uh, that, that type of eating. Um, seems relevant now i think it's different or or possibly at least interesting when you look at uh this through the lens of an endurance athlete who's expending so many calories um it's hard to tell someone who's doing ultra marathons for example not to eat a lot of simple or refined carbohydrates um and i think that honestly needs to be studied a little bit more but but certainly in people who are obese um is where this is mostly studied and, and 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 the simple refined carbs and, and high fat seem to, seem to induce bad changes.
0: So it, it does seem like there's obviously big benefits from both diet and exercise. Are there any other um, elements of people's lifestyle that are likely to have an effect on the gut microbiome? So as you take antibiotics
2: for uh, some sort of sickness, some sort of bacterial infection you might have, or even to prevent some sort of bacterial infection... Um, you're basically wiping out the entire microbiome, Well, at least you're wiping out most of the microbiome. And one of the bad things that can happen is that not you don't get to selectively choose which microbes you wipe out with the with the antibiotic use. These are broad based drugs that wipe out, um, you know, try to wipe out all of the bacteria. And you might have some bacteria that survive, and those aren't necessarily what we would say is good bacteria. They could be. Um, the uh, negative or the, the sort of detrimental bacteria that survive. And then they're in an environment in which they can just proliferate and they can repopulate the gut at sort of an advantage because they're already there. And so you can end up with this dysbiosis after antibiotic use. So people often have GI symptoms um, with antibiotic use. And this is part of the reason why is they induce a, this gut dysbiosis from antibiotics. And so a good recommendation, and sometimes uh, you actually be prescribed a prescription type of probiotic uh, to take following a, a treatment regimen of antibiotics. So that's one thing to consider during training as well as leading up to races. Uh, like if you have the choice to not take an antibiotic, uh, you probably want to err on the side of not taking the antibiotic rather than taking the antibiotic. Uh, most of the time, our immune systems can perfectly deal with a, a bacterial infection uh, perfectly well without the help of antibiotics.
1: Yeah, no, Matt hit the nail on the head exactly. Um, just trying to avoid that for, for endurance performance seems to be highly relevant. A, lot, a large number of studies showing decrements in performance after antibiotic administration. It certainly just kills off the, the diversity and, and many of these other beneficial bacteria we see in elite athletes.
0: And how long does it take to, for that to have an effect? as well as how long does it take for any dietary changes or even training changes to have an effect if they're different timelines. Is, is this quite a, a quick thing people can do, particularly from the perspective of, hey, my race is coming up. So if I change things in the last week, and I'm uh, particularly good about diet or particularly good about not needing to take antibiotics at that point, could that have a, a big effect in a short amount of time to improve race day? I haven't seen anything as
2: short as a week. Some of the studies I talked about did four week um, supplements that showed some benefits. And I know that other studies have shown, say, six weeks of exercise training followed by six weeks of not exercise training. And that period of not exercise training was able to reverse any positive changes they saw in the, in the six weeks of training. So it is, I would say it's more in a multiple, multi week sort of Time frame that you're going to get more lasting beneficial effects,
0: and is that the same for antibiotics, or or do we not know
2: much faster, right? Because you're only taking them for seven to ten yeah. days ish, and so uh, in terms of the repopulation of the gut after that, I'm going to assume it takes much longer than it takes to destroy the the biome. But actually, I'm not familiar with any. I'm sure there's studies that exist, but. I don't know them off the top of my head in terms of how long it takes. Maybe Greg has better insight than I do on that.
1: No, unfortunately not. But, but I would agree. Certainly, three to five days of antibiotic use may totally reconfigure uh, the microbiome. I guess another thing that is kind of related to that that would be considered if you're leading into a race is the influence of, of travel. Um, on the microbiome doing something like even stepping into an airplane or a lot of us may travel to another country or even just across the country, um, can highly influence the microbiome. And so that could obviously have performance effects, particularly on immune function, which is, I guess, something that we haven't really gotten into very much, but that's another area where, um, the microbiome has, has a big influence. And particularly, um, for athletes, I have seen studies showing probiotic, um, administration does help to improve immune function, which is going to obviously decrease our risk of of getting sick. And so obviously being able to train consistently and, and make it to race day with a robust and, and, and functioning immune system is, is of critical importance. As well as after a race, we know there's just this substantial increase in incidence of upper resp- respiratory tract infection. Um, and so that might be another time an athlete might want to be particularly cognizant of their microbiome and if they are taking some sort of probiotic to really stick with that um, both right immediately before as well as after uh, a race.
0: And so you, you mentioned there in terms of uh, recovery time and, and how that could affect things um, or, or linking into that. So could that be another uh, big benefit here of uh, being able to recover better have maybe less inflammation whether it's from a race or from training from having uh, say an elite athlete's gut microbiome versus a sedentary person's one that's another area that should be affected uh,
2: matt um i th- i think so but uh, that's another area that i'm actually less familiar with in terms of the recovery side but it makes sense from a just from the physiological standpoint of what's happening improved immune function um And Greg's studies, I think, on sort of muscle mass uh, would indicate also that you would be maybe in a more anabolic state, and that would hopefully lead to a faster recovery. Anything to add
0: there, Greg?
1: Yeah, I would just say kind of another thing that's going to probably really influence recovery that we're increasingly realized as being influenced by the microbiome would be sleep. Um, I know, I think Alex Hutchinson just wrote a blog post and outside online about sleep and, and there's a lot of talk about sleep right now being, uh, and you guys are ultra coaches. I think you guys probably would stress the importance of this with your athletes, particularly as they're preparing or trying to recover from a, a hard race or workout, how important sleep is for recovery. And there's a, there's a growing body of literature supporting a role for the microbiome in sleep. Uh, our lab just published one in healthy young individuals, but there's data. If you, if you start with disease populations and people with sleep apnea, showing a very distorted microbiome that's very low in diversity and doesn't produce a lot of this butyrate that we would want in an elite athlete um, meanwhile and, and healthy people and people with good sleep they exhibit a higher microbial diversity which is just what we talked about and what matt talked about um, as being one of the hallmark signatures of an elite athlete would be a very diverse microbiome as well as one that produces uh, these short chain fatty acids, like such as butyrate, which which is good and helps to attenuate um, inflammation. And there's even studies done. There's a recent study done in, in mice where they injected them with uh, with butyrate, w- which is one of those good things that the microbiome can produce. And it actually immediately improved their sleep. Uh, and so, given the importance of that in recovery, I think that might be another huge huge one for athletes to consider when they think about the role of the microbiome in their performance.
0: So certainly showing that all aspects that we'd expect related to do to training and racing are affected by the gut microbiome. One little thing I just want to come back to from a minute ago is you mentioned with travel, and obviously if people go to another country or they go even to just another part of the same country, they may have different diet for the day or two before a race. Could that have an effect, just having a change in the types of foods you're having, or maybe it's spicier food or even just the water being a little bit different? Uh, Could that have a a last minute negative impact on racing? and, And is it a reason to try and keep things as similar to what you'd have normally as possible,
1: Greg? Yeah, no, I, I would say definitely. I believe there's even data showing that uh, the people who are around you can influence your microbiome. So just uh, a new person at work or or, 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 or travel, in, you know, in, in, in particular, being on an airplane, all of that can greatly, in, influence, um, can greatly influence the microbiome, no doubt, as well as the anxiety um, that we're going to feel before a race. Uh, again, there's this communication between the gut and the brain, and so being in this super anxious state uh, with nerves is is also um, gonna have an effect on our on our gut microbes most likely
2: and our microbes can also affect our mood so there's some evidence right that Study, some studies have shown that the microbes themselves are communicating directly with the brain because within our, our sort of GI system is the second most densely populated number of neurons in, our, in the human body. They call it actually the second brain. So your gut instinct is actually uh, more than just like some random thing that's happening. There is some physiological basis for that. And so the microbiome itself does affect mood as well.
0: So it's covering virtually everything here in terms of how the brain is working, your uh, your mental approach to the race, your physical uh, issues with with uh, the race, and, and things to improve there. So, yeah, there's uh, what, 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 yeah. sorry, I was just going to say, what, what are the other things that could be affected by? This? Is there more research being done into new areas where there's just complete questions at the moment, or um, what areas are, are being investigated for the future? Uh, so I'll give a couple of, of interesting things about the
2: microbiome as well, that there's actually more bacterial and sort of non-human DNA in our body than there is uh, human DNA in our body because of the extensiveness of the, the microbiome. So it does make sense that it would be affecting pretty much every system. Um, one interesting example of that is uh, most endurance athletes are familiar with the beetroot juice And beetroot juice is a performance enhancer that, uh, is this, this releaser of nitric oxide, which can increase the amount of blood flow, uh, to muscle and to, to tissues. And they had no idea how this beetroot juice was working. Like how was it converted being converted from it's nitrate to nitrite, I think. That's the right direction. Um, and what they found is that in the mouth, the microbiome in the mouth was con- doing that conversion. So people who frequently used mouthwash were actually killing off some of the microbiome and they were not getting beneficial performance effects from beetroot juice. So I think that the microbiome is probably having a significant effect on, uh, on any, any supplements that might be working, might actually be working through the microbiome in a way. Uh, because we know that the microbiome metabolizes many of these these substances. So that's one area I think that's interesting. Um, and a second area that I was looking at uh, what is being funded by NIH right now is there's actually a tool online you can search for grant topics and grant idea and grants that are that have been funded. And one idea that's being looked at is the interaction between the microbiome and just vascular health in general. So blood pressure um, and other sort of cardiovascular health markers and the microbiome seem to be linked in some way, um, and that's a grant to Doug Seal's lab in uh, at University of Colorado.
0: Anything you want to add there, Greg, about uh, future areas to be looked at that could have an effect?
1: Uh, no, I, I think that's those that, that those are pretty interesting things. I was particularly fascinated by that. Um, the beetroot juice efficacy, Matt. That, that's that's really interesting. I hadn't hadn't heard of that, but it certainly seems reasonable. Um, I think one of the things that's most interesting to me, and, and possibly this is just because I just had a kid, is the effect of even birth mode on on the microbiome, and and how when we're born, um, the change of the microbiome through infancy into an adult into adulthood, and and the diverse early impacts of factors such as even like breastfeeding versus bottle feeding and um, you know, I see my kid eating leaves on the floor and I'm like, oh, m- maybe it'll be good for her microbiome, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the, the, the silver lining. Right. But, but I, I do think like, uh, the influence of, of things early on, really early on in our life and how that affects our microbiome later down the road and maybe predisposes us to, to risk for, for particular diseases, um, even like the water we drink, uh, you know, different areas of the country. Just there's just so many, so many factors that, that seem to influence it.
0: It certainly sounds like a, a, an area that most people probably aren't very familiar with, including myself, until more recently. And yet, it affects so much of our lives, and particularly our athletic lives, but everything in terms of illness and, and other things as well. So, I did just have one more question for. I, I then wanted to see if there's anything else you guys wanted to add, which is, are we seeing any differences? in how we would approach either the dietary advice for this or the exercise advice or anything else between men and women or related to people as they age versus younger people? Matt? Um, I
2: have not seen much data. That is definitely an area that, that needs to be examined more, like differences between men and women and also differences with age. There's some animal studies that show More efficacy or more change in the uh, microbiome with young rats than older rats, but whether that translates to humans is is not known. Um, I mean, one of the one of the things that does happen with age is you tend to get a more leaky gut, so maybe they would be more they would benefit older people would benefit more from uh, probiotics than than younger individuals. Um, But other than that, I can't think of any specifics. Uh, or even really much differences that have been studied between men and women at this point.
1: Yeah, I know. I know there are actually. I have a, a colleague at Harvard doing some some research with human sexuality in the microbiome, and and there's even differences there um, with sexual preference and and actually people's microbiome. So that's that's really interesting. Wow. And honestly, um, that's the extent to I know on that because whenever I, I I talk to this colleague, they keep telling me I got I need to consider this when I do my analysis like man i didn't even collect this data <laughs> when i <laughs> when i started because i didn't think it would have an influence but uh certainly a potent influence there and then uh like matt said there's certainly a, a dysbiosis of the microbiome generally that seems to occur with age uh i got to i, I researched that pretty much primarily for for an entire year in the laboratory of, of dr roger fielding at at tufts in the human nutrition research center on aging along with the uh, Michael Lustergarten there, who, who has a couple of NIH grants uh, that are really related to how the microbiome changes with age. Um, and some of the kind of early work in the microbiome and, and human performance was kind of done in this. There was a study done comparing uh, healthy adults who were basically living at home to those who are institutionalized, and they saw key differences in their microbiome. And I really think what's so neat about that is that it kind of helps to inform what we know about microbiome and performance, specifically those who are institutionalized and living in retirement communities tend to have a microbiome that's really not diverse, Uh, It doesn't have a whole lot of resiliency, and it also has a very low quantity of these short-chain fatty acid producers, which I feel like the exact opposite is the hallmark. Of an uh, the microbiome of an elite athlete that it is diverse and that it does have a lot of these short chain fatty acid producers um and and one of the things that I kind of want to get in I'll just spill the beans uh, that I kind of want to get into looking at in the future is similar to that study that was done in in the people with prediabetes that Matt talked about earlier um, is look at we know with aging in particular there tends to be a uh, lower training response that older adults don't seem to respond to exercise as well as younger individuals. And so might the microbiome be one of the catalyzing factors for this? And even in, within, or among older individuals, does the microbiome predict exercise training efficacy? And, and if so, can we modulate the microbiome in older adults so that they do respond better to, a, to, to exercise training?
0: Now, that sounds like a fascinating and really important area. And also just for all ages, I would guess, anyone, if you could improve the benefit from the training that you're doing, that would be a huge gain to, to any runner of any level or anyone just even in terms of the exercise and weight. So um, is there anything else you guys would like to add that we haven't maybe talked about just at a, at a high level or other things that people should consider here or that would be useful for them as runners? Uh, Greg?
1: Nothing's really nothing's really coming into me uh, uh, on the top of my head just now Matt um, Matt, did you have anything additional?
2: Um, I would say that you know we've made it seem like the i mean that the microbiome is this sort of almost panacea it affects all of these things in this great way and i and I'd say that the even though the data there is enough data us to say that that exists we still have to be cautious because you know there is publication bias we're only seeing the publications that show positive effects um, some of the effects are not necessarily huge uh, so they might be the last you know one or two percent that you're looking for so i always sort of want to temper these discussions with a little bit of well we're not quite there um it looks promising and it looks mostly like it's not going to do anything detrimental uh, but we're not saying this is the thing that's going to cure everything. It's not some magic bullet. Um, If you're not training, then it's not going to really matter.
0: Thank you. And so just a couple of takeaways from each of you. So Matt, what what would you think would be particularly useful for runners to be thinking about from this practically that they can use in the real world? Yeah, I think
2: trying different probiotic supplements would be, One thing that I would actually recommend, especially if you're going to compete in a longer event in the heat, um, that that would be something practical to try and to, and as well as if you're traveling, um, that might be a way to sort of maintain your microbiome, um, while traveling and sort of prevent some of these changes that can occur. Um, and other than that, like for your regular diet, just focusing on, you know, those whole foods, uh, like vegetables and fruits that are whole not processed um, and uh, trying to work in at least some of those probiotic type yogurts and other fermented foods if possible.
0: And Greg, what what would your couple of additional takeaways be on top of that?
1: Yeah, I think what Matt said is great. I think, uh, you know, doing some research and, and staying in touch with, uh, you know the the scientific literature to a point but there's a lot of great resources out there that can can help to summarize these things for you maybe finding a an endurance coach such as such as you guys um who who keeps apprised to the scientific literature um be, because of the the benefits that, that certainly might be there um and then kind of I guess harkening back to Matt's original point would be to to interpret our conversation in the context of um with a fair bit of skepticism that that it, it's certainly not going to be a, a magic bullet and it's probably nothing that's going to happen immediately um but, but i do think it's certainly worth considering well
0: hopefully we'll get an eliot uh, pill in the future that gives everyone the best uh, microbiome possible but uh, until that time thank you so much for all of that advice and, and thank you for your time uh and sharing that with us just one last thing is um Matt, uh, Dr. Matt Lay, where can we find you on the internet and uh, to be able to follow you and and see things that you're putting out there? Yeah. So you can follow me. Mainly I interact with people on Twitter
2: and it's just M-J-L-A-Y-E. So it's at M-J-L-A-Y-E is my Twitter handle. Uh, And, uh, or if people want to email me, it's actually, uh, you can find my email through the College of uh, Idaho website. It's M-L-A-Y-E collegeofidaho.edu. I'm happy to take any, any other additional questions people have.
0: And we'll put that in the show notes for our fruits as well. And Dr. Greg Grisicki, um, where can people find you?
1: Yep. Uh, either on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Dr. Greg Grisicki. Um, so if you'll put it in the show notes, I'm not going to uh, spell it out right now. but uh, Or <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> or uh, our, our lab is also both on Instagram and Twitter, and it's at BHPC. Uh, and we try to post I'll ch- i usually will try to summarize um one of the more recent scientific studies done in the field on a weekly or at least a monthly basis depending on how busy things are excellent
0: well thank you so much and have a great day guys thanks, thanks
1: guys. guys yeah thank you
0: that's it for episode two uh, we have contact details of our guests and myself in the show notes uh, please rate the podcast. That's really appreciated and help us get seen by more runners searching for this type of content and check out PodiumRunner.com for articles for runners of all levels, including the occasional ones by myself too. And our next episode is going to be about anti-doping and the Olympics with Kara Goucher. It'll be coming out just in advance of when the Olympics were meant to be held. Thank you and have a great day.